I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Yo, what's happening, Rush Nation? We're back and it is a Tuesday. We're recording this on a sunny Monday evening, but as the podcast dropped this morning, we're going to give you one Tuesday. Rich is going to be there Wednesday. Ash and I will be back Thursday. It's almost a five-day week this week. That's because the draft is coming and it is coming fast. Big man, we're back. I would love to say we're back in the studio. These days are not far away. How you doing, man? Happy Easter weekend. I finally saw some human beings this weekend. Um... Real boy. Yeah, I know. Unbelievable. I, I thought humans were just pixelated images on screens, <laughs> but apparently people exist outside of my front door. How how funny. Um, yeah, no, I saw actual people that I know. It was weird. Um, I went for a walk in Polston, saw a guy I used to live with, so that was good fun with his kids. So it was just nice to see humans and interact, and we'll have to get together and do something soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully we'll be in the studio be great to have it in the next six eight weeks we'll see what happens but yeah it's um and as you say the draft's coming thick and fast um i think we're what 20 23 24 days away now 24 days i think sounds about right um from when the draft will start i'm looking forward to it starting and ending um <laughs> and knowing i enjoy it don't you know i really love the draft I, lo- I love the draft a lot i get engrossed in it um what teams we're going to have uh, at, at the end of it so yeah it's it listen it's uh it's all good and 
it means no more mock drafts after the next three or four weeks as well, which is only a good thing, I suppose. Well, you say that, but you mean mock drafts proper because then fantasy mock drafts will happen and it was, it's just the it's a continuation of the mock draft theme because then rookies will have their landing spots and we'll go about picking, seeing who goes where and rookie ADP will come into factor and then dynasties will have their rookie drafts and Devi drafts will happen and then eventually, somewhere along the line, there'll be start-up dynasties that hopefully we can sort of stay away from this year. And then well, they've been be... going on. I've, got, I've been invited to yeah, so I'm, many um, already not... and I've turned down so many. Like, I'm and... just, I don't get it. I'm not a fan of drafting before the NFL draft proper. I just. Well, like, the idea is you do the rookie draft after. Yeah, no, but, yeah. but but I meant like in before free agency and stuff, and I'm. <laughs> it's just a shot in the dark at some of those players at that point. Yeah, it's uh, look, it's it's people have a, a need to do it. I've I've done some best ball drafts. I have done a a Devi draft, and I did a a start up, and that was it. And that's all I'm doing this year for for Dynasty. Um, we've got Dynasty rookie draft. I'm not interested in doing any more dynasties. You know, typically people are overexcited and these dynasties tend to die within two or three years. Um, so I'm just not really sure I'm going to invest too much, too much more in dynasty. Um, I love dynasty, love format and everything, but um, I don't think I'm going to invest too many more dynasty leagues. I think I'm just going to keep the ones I've got. And and some of them are going into year three, year four. Some of them are going into, I think got one that's year five. Um, and, that, and they're good. And then the ones I think will last the longest, we're going to keep going and uh, and go from there. Yeah, I think the draft fatigue of last year was caught up with quite a few dynasty leagues this year. And we've, we've seen a lot of people either not, use it as a dynasty or completely forget they've got sleeper or just be too invested in leagues and leagues have broke down because of it and oh yeah absolutely it, it it's really been carnage like just how people have just like leagues have just died and they're just you know dynasty is supposed to be a 12 month thing okay mm-hmm. maybe you maybe you don't do much in the nfl playoffs and maybe before free agency that that's the time you should be making moves and you know, we were quite aggressive in teams that we co-own. I was aggressive in teams that I own in leagues that allowed us to be progressive or aggressive. I was in one league that didn't even roll over. Um, so it's like, I'm out. <laughs> if we're not even going to roll league over and we're, you know, we're late March, what's the point? Yep. Um, it was in another that a quarter of the league was gone. And I was like, a quarter of the league's gone, so you can't trade with a quarter of the league. And we're not filling them. Like they just hadn't the spots just hadn't been a competitive advantage if you're a savvy player. Because it's that pre free agency where you can get some really good moves if you're really switched on to what's going on. Mm. Um, as well as also you got this period pre the draft. Um now the prices of rookie picks just go and they rocket now because everyone knows about the players. Yeah. So everyone gets overexcited and the price of buying picks now is so much more than what it was about the players. So if your league hasn't been that active during that period, there's no point. Like you, you kind of, you've missed the window on so many things. And I just, this thought of playing, of Dynasty being a league where it's basically just a redraft league that you keep the same players, that, I mean, if that's what people want to do, that is fine, but that's not a dynasty league. That's a, basically a full roster keeper league. Mm. That and there is a difference. There's a massive difference between a dynasty league, and I'm not saying people need to be super active and need to be, 
constantly trading and paying offers, you know, you might really like your team. You might really like your team. You might be the defending champions or you're one, you're one piece away. You think you're going to get it in the draft and you're probably really happy and think, I just don't need to do anything. And that is absolutely fine. But when you haven't got a league where it's even full and it's like, you can't trade, you can't make pieces. That's not a dynasty league. That is just, it's just a keeper league. Yeah. Um, I think think it's just been a big thing. And I think people did last year during lockdown, just as you said, drafted a load of teams, thought this is fun and commissioners and, and players just finding it a bit full on and thought, no, absolutely fine. But, um, you know, for me, it's I've just basically tuned out. I, I've had to, I've left a few leagues because of that's not that's not what a dynasty league is. It's not what I kind of for. And yeah, I uh, think I think what happened is dynasty and redraft are so different in <clears throat> excuse me in them games themselves that when people started to play dynasty from redraft, they they brought that mentality with them, and that's fair enough. If you've never played dynasty, it is a completely different beast, mm. but the lack of knowledge about keeper leagues is something that maybe we should expand into to bridge that gap. So that if you do want to play keeper sort of full roster or half roster keeper, and and you're not sure about dynasty, but dynasty is the only way that you can essentially do that. If that makes sense, maybe that's something we need to, to not educate people because that sounds like really up ourselves, but maybe provide more information on keeper leagues for people who are thinking, well, actually maybe dynasty isn't for me, but I don't know what else to do. Um, If you set out what it is at the start, you know, I think that's the key. And I think dynasty leagues for the most part, unless you know everyone, it probably needs some form of, constitution they probably need some form of document that displays kind of what this is um and it needs a commissioner to take control um and listen everybody needs time out away from it and i'm not you know we have a listener league dynasty where i was a little slow doing the draft lottery that we agreed um you know I, people make mistakes it, the, the thing is not you know you're a bit slow on the uptake or, you know, you're struggling to get people in. It's just having the commissioner is at least responding is active. Is at least like trying to either do something or has gone, do you know what? My bad. I, I dropped the ball, but I'm on it now and get it sorted. And listen, I was that commissioner in, in one of our leagues. I was just a bit delayed on getting something done and it happens and making a mistake is fine. As long as you own up to it, you say, look, I dropped the ball. But I'm doing it now. We sorted it, and we've sorted it. Plenty of time for the draft. People know the order. People can pick. You know, in the same way that also having you know you've got to allow for the free agents. I get you might shut it after the draft. I get you might shut it until free agency. And this is where I think you need some form of either constitution or your commissioner just needs to be really on it. Um, I opened up all of our leagues that were a dynasty that I control or that we co-control and opened them up to free agency bidding after a, a few days of the free agency deadline. So people didn't get an immediate steal. It was like, so-and-so just signed. You could just buy them immediately mm-hmm. with no opportunity for the league to review. You know, you've, you've got to open the free agency pool. People have got to either trim down their rosters or people might, there might be someone who was on um, waivers that people might want to pick up, you know, and you've got to allow a little bit of that. Um 
So I think that, yeah, maybe there is a bit of an education piece or I don't know. I, I think, I think the thing is, is decide kind of what you want. If you league, then do a dynasty league. If you're not, and you really want that break between January and June, with the exception of maybe rookie picks, do a keeper league. Just do a full keeper league with a rookie draft. And that's okay. Like, you can literally design the league as you want. But the big thing is, is just advertise what it is. Be really clear. Put a constitution in place. Uh, um, and do this. And, like, if it's not what you signed up to, it is okay to leave. As long as you leave with plenty of time, with plenty of notice... And you offered to help fill the spot in every league I've been in, with the exception of one, because the commissioner just stopped responding to messages. I was like, well, if the commissioner isn't bothered, why should I be? Mm. And why should I invest and, and uh, you know, help? You know, and I'll still, if the commissioner wants to reach out and help me, you know, he says to me, look, can you help me fill the spot? I absolutely will. Um, but more often than not, in any league I've left, I'm like, look, I help you fill it. Or most of the time, I've even got a replacement myself and said, look, I'm going to leave. This person's taking over the team. Because the kind of league it is, it's just not what I thought it was. Mm. And it's not, it was kind of explained to me when we joined. And so, because I'm just not, like, I don't, I'm not a big keeper guy. I do one keeper league, um, and that's with Simo in the BFFL. That's it. That's the only keeper league I play. It's just not a format I'm a big fan of, but that one's a bit different. But I either play Dynasty or I play Redraft. But if it's just a, a seasonal keeper league, that's fine. I'll stick to Redraft. It's just more fun. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense, and and we you hit a good point there in the fact that you know it, if you want to play in something, that's fine. But and if you don't want to play in something, that's also fine. If it isn't what you thought it was, or perhaps you just you you've decided that you are in too many leagues and you want out. There's no shame in leaving something that is essentially a Sunday afternoon hobby. I mean, I know that's a very simple way of putting it, but for us, you know, we, we set our lineups for mostly Sunday at 6 PM and then we fire on red zone and off fantasy football goes. And there's, there's no shame if you don't want to play anymore or if you're in too many leagues. I mean, it's the same as feeling a bit ashamed to ask on groups and stuff. Like, are there any leagues or anything? There's, there's plenty of leagues out there and just don't be scared to go and join them if you're not in many and want to join more or if you're in too many to leave. It's, it's that simple. I think, and I think, I think for me, and I, I write a chapter in the playbook this year about being in too many. And the solution to this, spoiler alert, is, is best ball. You know, a lot of people just like the draft, just want to draft. Yep. Do a best ball league. Like, just do a best ball league because you can do as many of those as you want and there's no consequences. Do you know what? You draft badly in the best ball league, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Literally, as soon as the draft is ended, you don't have to do a thing brilliant like that is what best ball is all about best ball is about just having a bit of fun you do the draft there's no management there's no rosters there's no waivers it's literally you do the draft and that is your team and it will pick automatically the best lineup every week for 17 or 16 weeks or however you set up job done like that is how you get around being in too many leagues if you think (coughs) excuse me if you want to draft and you want to be involved and, and have a bit of fancy football chat, but you're not ready to commit to a full league, best ball leagues. You know what? If you want anybody on here, I will literally do as many best ball leagues as anybody wants. And people go, I don't know how to host them. I don't know where to host them. 
reach out to me if you've got one person, three people, five people. I don't care. If you go, do you know what, Murph? I really want to do a best ball league. Don't know how to do it. Can you run one for me? I go, yeah, sure. Because it really is. It, it's like a little bit of investment at the beginning to set it up. And then once you hit the draft button, that is pretty much it. You draft and you're done. So if you don't know how to do a best ball uh, league, hit me up at Murph underscore NFL. If you want me to host one, I host one. If you want me to host five, I host five. I don't really care. Like, it's fine. I'll do as many as people want. If that is going to help this plethora of um, vacant orphan leagues or orphan teams that are being left because people feel like get excited and want to do something but don't want to commit to a team full time. Perfect. There you are, Rush Nation. Murph is all about setting up them best ball leagues to keep you drafting when perhaps that's the only bit you really, really enjoy. We talked about rookie picks being expensive coming up to this time of the year. We're about to talk about a rookie in six players time that outshone his rookie pick ADP by a long, long way. We've done tight ends. We've done running backs. We've done quarterbacks. It's time for wide receiver consistency from the 2020 season. 24, top 24, you know, wide receiver ones, wide receiver twos. Murph, I imagine Rush Nation can see the screen about now if Lee's done his thing from behind the glass. I imagine you have Lee because there you go. It's in my ear. He has. I knew you had. I was just checking. What I can see from this straight off the off the out the gate, Murph, is that there's a lot of red on the board. And I, I think there's is there more red here than in the running back section or am I eyes deceiving me? Yeah. So let, let, let's set the frame here. Um, and explain a lot of this because, yeah, it's going to look like, oh, you shouldn't invest in, in wide receivers um, and far from the case. Now, listen, when it comes to consistency with how I've done consistency, it's very different to how the fantasy footballers do consistency. It's very different to belong in the consistency guide does consistency. You can draw the metrics wherever you like into what is considered consistent and what is not consistent what i have done with every position and that highlights more in the wide receiver position and i'll get to why in a second is looked at the standard fantasy football roster so that's one qb two running back two two wide receiver one tight end one flex right and that's what i've done so effectively what i want to know when i'm analyzing players when i'm thinking about next year tools that I think that I use to to look at players I want to draft is I want to understand how many times that player performed at a top 24 level because that's the starting level if you're in the 12 team league and you play in a two wide receiver league that's 24 wide receivers just ignore the flex because yeah you could say it's 30 or 36 or 28 or whatever I'm thinking about those starting spots and I'm thinking about where you were going to start in that league, 24 wide receivers as a minimum in your starting spots. Therefore, what I am interested in is how many times a player does not perform at a top 24 level. And that's where the bust level is set at. I took the average score of what a bust, um, a, what a top, basically the 24 score, and then basically anything below that was a bust. And what that will show in the wide receiver position more than any other, with the exception of maybe tight end, because it's football, um, is a lot of red. And the reason it's a lot of red is because there's actually a lot more competition at that position than any other. If you think quarterback, there's one quarterback in a game, 
unless that quarterback gets benched or gets injured and then the backup comes in. But you've only got one quarterback. You only realistically have one running back starter. You might have a few offenses in the league that will run dual carries, um, split backfields, um, etc. But effectively, you have one major running back in 30 of the 32 NFL teams. And in the other teams, you're probably not that bothered because you're not playing that person as a starter in fantasy football. Um, when it comes to wide receivers, typically there's two or three wide receivers, and sometimes you can get really cute, cute and you can get four and five wide sets, um, depending on how you know formations line up. The typical average NFL formation will have anywhere between two and three wide receivers on the field at any one time. So there's a lot more competition, first of all, because you're not the only receiver on the field. Um, and also you're then also dealing with the running back and also the, you're, you've got, and you know, this better than anyone stocks. You've got to deal with the coverage. Um, mm-hmm. the, 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 you know, the, the, the main wide receiver who tip called the alpha, um, will be the person who might go into double coverage. Um, it depends on what the second wide receiver is like on that team. Um, someone like Michael Thomas will probably be double covered most of the time for the Saints because they're not too bothered about who the second wide receiver is on that team because they're not going to be as good as Michael Thomas. Um, so actually that also then affects impact. So what you're seeing on the screen here is long story short is a wide receiver is going to bust you know, typically at least 30% of the time, if not a lot more. In fact, it's very common that wide receivers will bust 50% of the time. And you're seeing that even in the top 12 players. Um, you know, only six of the top 12 didn't bust 50% of the time. And that's that's normal. That isn't a massive shock. Um that is what it is because it is a very, very difficult. What to consider here is actually how many MVP games they have. And that's where they're finishing as a top, um, you know, a top three, top five wide receiver. Um, and then, you know, where are they being really solid most weeks as well? And that's what's really key. So it's, it's just important to understand the ones that are elevated and at the absolute top tier. And then the other ones that are just, you know, are real risk. The other thing to point out here before we get into this, and appreciate I've got a little bit of a, a, a explanation and exercise here, is of all the positions with the exception of maybe quarterback this year, the ADP is relatively good. It says that fantasy experts and fantasy players alike are pretty good at understanding who the elite wide receivers are in the game. Um, eight of the twenty-four, eight of the twenty-eight of the players that finished um in the top twenty-four. You know, let me get this right. Basically, eight players uh of an ADP that was under twenty-four. So that says to you that sixteen players that finished in the top twenty-four had an ADP of the top twenty-four. So it means that there was no real surprises from those players when they finished in the top 24, because that's what we predicted them to do. Mm-hmm. But what's really funny is only the top 24 that had an ADP outside of 40. And of those players, two of them were rookies. Three of them were rookies. No, two of them were rookies. 
uh, one was a sophomore player and one was a player who moved to a new team. So it says again that fantasy analytics players alike are very good at analyzing uh, wide receiver talent far more than probably any other position. So it means when you're looking at ADPs of wide receivers, they might be off by a few, but you're not going to get that many statistical outliers. And the ones that are, as we said, a couple of them are rookies, so anything can happen as, as it did. Um, one moved to a new team and one was a second-year player who was in a really bad offense in his, in his freshman year. Yeah, and and uh, highlight the, the rookies you just brought up. You know, Rich did a really good piece about how often rookie picks actually hit um, in rookie drafts, how, how many of them become sort of top top 12, top 24 at their position in their first season of fantasy. And it's like a, a 50% chance, basically. And when we look into the top 12 here, there's only one wide receiver, Justin Jefferson, at six. And then you've got to go all the way down to 19 and 20, where Chase Claypool and C.D. Lamb were 19 and 20. So that just shows you of the people we drafted to be the number one receivers, your Jerry Judy, CD Lambs, even Henry Ruggs at some certain places. Henry Ruggs, Judy, Judy, they're not here. Um, and it's Justin Jefferson. So when it comes to rookie picks, it just shows that perhaps we get sucked in a bit too much by the draft process and, and the player before the draft as opposed to landing spot. But Well, a, l- a little bit. I think um, you, you've, you've picked two very different players there. Um so I guess to explain Jerry Judy, Jerry Judy was very unfortunate. You know, he's a player who, um, he had an injury. His number one receiver on that team, Cortland Sutton had an injury. So all of a sudden Jerry Judy was the lead receiver on the team. And he was, he wasn't allowed to be a rookie. Adding to that, the inconsistency of what was going on at the quarterback position. It was, it was about as tough a year as it was going to be for Jerry Judy you can sit there and make excuses, but basically Jerry Judy was not drafted to be the number one receiver in that team in his rookie year. Um, and in fact, none of them very well were the number one receiver on their team very early in the season. They might have ended up getting up there or getting an equal share, but um, Jerry Judy was in a very, very difficult spot and he had no one on the other side that was helping him really. And that was a difficult spot. So I wouldn't give up on Jerry Judy. I think he had, he had a really difficult year, but I wouldn't say a lot of it was, was his fault. Um, when it comes to uh, Henry Ruggs, I mean, I don't know how many times I, I said that picking Henry Ruggs was just he's not fast, a good idea. Because he's fast. That means nothing. I know, I know. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, listen, how many how many times do people have to fall for the fast uh, the fast wide receiver. Um, I mean, how many, yeah, John Ross. I mean, how, how many times do you have, do people in the NFL have to realize that speed isn't everything? It's highly important, but it's not everything. It's not the end all or be all of the entire position. So I think, you know, this is what you, this is what we're getting. Paris Camp is really quick. He's not done anything really in the NFL as of yet. Um, this is what you're looking at. So I just think for me, you know, Henry Ruggs was destined. He was overdrafted. I didn't, I didn't have one single share of Henry Ruggs because I just didn't, I didn't believe in the, in it at all. <laughs> um, but Jerry Judy, I think someone's very different, but I think, you know, you looked at these players um, that went in the first round of rookie drafts last year, 
you had Jalen Rager, um, C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy, uh, Justin Jefferson, eyes in particular, um, and Henry Ruggs. They were kind of like the five, and Brandon Ayuk was the six. You had those six wide receivers went in the first round last year. Um, four of those guys, absolutely very little qualms or concerns about what they did, even if they didn't have the most productive time in Jerry Judy. You saw enough on tape. Um, Brandon Ayuk has massively displaced Debo Samuel, and he's a, an easy buy-low candidate this year. Uh, he's going to be electric when he gets a, a better quarterback. He had no quarterback throwing to him, and he was still uh, a top, top guy last year. Um, he's only just off these charts. Um, you know, the, the two that you have question marks about were Ruggs and Rager, and they were probably the two that were the biggest shocks of where they were taken on draft night. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. I think... I heard a mad stat about Adam Thielen the other day and something like 30% of his fantasy points came from touchdowns or something last season. Yeah, he had is... a very high touchdown rate, which uh, elevated him massively to to where he was and there's uh, a concern. However, what's interesting is that his ADP for this year has kind of already baked that in um, and everyone is expecting that regression and he's slipped massively down on 2021 ADP boards as it stands right now. And I find that fascinating because even though that was the case, and even though we know what happened, people just assume that Justin Jefferson has got all the work there locked up. And as a result, Adam Phelan is, is someone that, that you can pick up in the fourth, in the fourth round, maybe even the fifth round of drafts. And I think, you know what? I'm tempted. I'm tempted to pick him up there. I think that's, that's excellent value considering that the, the, the Vikings don't have anyone else. <laughs> it's yes. not like it's not like Adam Thielen's going to be lacking for snaps or targets or anything else. So uh, I wouldn't be too, you know, I I I I don't think he's wide receiver eight as he is on the chart here. But you know, if he was knocking around the bottom end of wide receiver one, top end of wide receiver two, would I be shocked? Absolutely not. <laughs> I would be shocked if we were talking this twelve months from now, and he no. was and he was he was around this range. And you'd be more than happy picking him up at where you picked him up, like round four-ish, because that's a steal to get a, a low one, high two. Absolutely. And I think that that's what you've got to look at. And this is why this data is fascinating uh, when you look at it on paper, because, yeah, he does bust at a very high rate. Um, however, you know, because, again, he was a bit touchdown or bust dependent. But when it comes to what the, what the Vikings do, there are not many guys. There's not many guys that he's competing with for targets. And, you know, it just takes one injury or one setback for Justin Jefferson. And all of a sudden, Phelan is locked into a 30, 35% target share. And all of a sudden he could, you know, his range of outcomes could be anything if if Justin Jefferson isn't enough. So I quite like Phelan. I think he's still for good value for where he's going. But we'll get into his numbers in more detail in just a second. Yeah, so we'll start at the top. Obviously, Devante Adams, everybody knows he was the absolute top dog last year at the wide receiver position finished first three just shy of 301 points for 300.9 through 14 games so he missed two games as we all know averaged 21.5 fantasy points a game he was the second wide receiver off the board behind Michael Thomas had six MVP weeks five solid and just three bust games um Devontae Adams is actually he started incredibly strong um, in his opening, um, in the opening half of the season, he only played six times. Um, 
he had four MVP weeks in those first six games and then two bust weeks. When he busted, he wasn't busting at a bad rate. It wasn't like he was putting up um, really low scores. He was putting up like 10s, 11s, which, you know, would be is a harsh to call that a bust, really. But given the context of I wanted to see who it was, you know, the games he wasn't performing at a top 24 level, he was probably still performing in those bust weeks. I think two of them, I think he was he was still performing at a top 36 week um, or around about that sort of number. I think he had one week that was an absolute stinker. So the consistency was was remarkable. Um, high-powered offense, it did slow down. Um, only two MVP weeks in the second half of the season. Um, he had all five of his solid weeks in that back half of the season as well. So I guess, the, you know, we talked about Rodgers and we talked about there is – definitely some baked in regression coming that way and I think there is going to be a little bit of regression coming Devontae Adams's way as well however given the fact that he only played 14 of the 16 games he still put up over 300 points he's the undisputed wide receiver one in fantasy football right now and I don't think it's close Mm. but what I will say and I'm going to talk about this with Rich this week is and spoiler and teaser for the for the fantasy sh- uh, for the dynasty show this week. If I was holding Devontae Adams in dynasty, I'd probably sell. Yeah, but I'll it's... let you tune into the episode to listen to why. It, it it will just be for me getting what I think is a decent value for him at this point in his career. That's... But you're never getting a better value. You know, you you know, you're not going to get more. It, there's every chance that Devontae Adams does not finish as the wide receiver one in 2021. But it wouldn't shock me if he did. And he is the undisputed wide receiver one. I think he's a talented player. You know, he's also produced um, four top six. Let me pull the numbers. Is it top six or top 12? Um, he's produced last six years. And, and how many? Years he's four. Four in the last six. Four in the last six years. And in the years that he didn't do it were years he was injured. Sorry, I got that wrong. It's five of the last six. The only year he didn't do it was last year in 2019 where he finished 24th and he only played 11 games. And that's still wide receiver two territory. <laughs> so led fantasy. So he was top scorer in 2018. He was top scorer in 2020. In 2017. He was ninth in 2016th. He was ninth. You know, you're talking about a highly consistent um, prospect a high, or a highly consistent player. Yeah. You know, two number one, two number nine finishes. Um, and, you know, and then missing out in 2019. So, yeah, four, four of the last five years, five of the last six is, is just highly impressive. Yeah. Uh, you're right. I think he is the wide receiver one, but again, it wouldn't surprise me somebody like the next player if he pips him or even Stefan Diggs has got a chance, I think, if he has an, a nuclear season, but then he's got to have one hell of a season because of how the Bills run that offense. Number two, we've mentioned it. Well, we haven't. Number two is Tyreek Hill. He had 285.4 points. He only played 15 games, averaged 19 points was the ADP had was the third wide receiver off the board. He had four MVP weeks. He did have seven solid weeks and then four bust weeks. Yeah. Hill was just remarkably consistent throughout. Um, You know, 
he had two MVP weeks in the first half of the season, two in the second half of the season. He had five uh, five weeks in the middle there, um, five solid weeks in the first half of the season, just two in the uh, second half of the season, and then uh, two and two um, when splitting out his season. Now, um, the pl- I think before we go on, the player with the ADP one you mentioned was Michael Thomas. You know, Michael Thomas missed a lot of time for a number of different reasons uh, last season, mostly injury. Um, you know, Michael Thomas is an interesting one because he is a, a, effectively a buy low, but his is all dependent on who the quarterback is going to be in 2021. If it's James Winston, you know, you can feel pretty confident what you're getting there. If they move for someone like Sam Darnold, you can feel pretty confident in him. If it's Taysom Hill, you'll be highly worried. And that risk is baked into his. That's why you're not hearing Michael Thomas. And, you know, it was his injuries that pushed him down. But Tyree Kill, again, is, a, is another player who's been remarkably uh, consistent when fit. Or, um, But he, he has had disciplinary issues um, as well as also injury issues. He did finish third in 2018. Um, you can see there last season he was uh, 30th. And again, he missed time through injury. Um, he was fourth in 2017. So, you know, this is his third uh, his third top four finish in the last four years, which is, again, highly impressive and remarkably consistent. And you're not going to have too many worries about him being a top six player next year. And effectively, that's what you're baking into your price. You're not just baking in is this guy going to challenge for the wide receiver one, which he absolutely can, but you're baking into the fact that it's highly unlikely if he plays 15, 16 games. And the game he missed was that he was sat out. It was rested. They'd secured the number one seed um, and he was rested. He wasn't injured. He just was rested. So um, if he plays 15, 16 games, you can or top five wide receiver. So that's what you're, ba- that's what you're buying the prices. At. And, you can't go wrong with him at the tail end of the first round. We've talked about this on the show. Adams and Hill at the back end of the first round, you can buy all day long and redraft in 2021 and feel pretty comfortable. Mm-hmm. At number three, Stefan Diggs, he scored 265 points. He played all 16, averaging 16.6 a game. He was the 27th wide receiver. Uh, is that ADP wide receiver or is that ADP? Yeah, I, ADP overall? wide receiver. So he was the 27th wide receiver. Shocking. But this was because the fantasy industry, there's two reasons that price was baked in. One was a wide receiver moving to a new team. And I have said this time and time again, their production tends to always go down. We talked about this when Odell moved to Cleveland. I said, I didn't want part of it year one. I wanted to see what he did. If the price fell to a fourth round pick, I'd probably have invested in Odell. He was going high second. It was too high for a player who, well, any player consistently when they move teams, it is a risk. It's a huge risk. Um, the only player I felt more confident on was DeAndre Hopkins, who we'll get to. But Stefan Diggs was a player when he left Minnesota, was not coming off his best season, wasn't getting thrown the ball. And the fantasy community did not rate Josh Allen at all as a quarterback. They might like him in fantasy, but they did not rate um, what he could do. And yet you gave Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, and those two were phenomenal. A um, couple of points on Stefan Diggs. Um, first of all, he had four bust weeks in the first uh, eight games, and he had three in the first four weeks. So clearly he just started very, very slow, taking time to, as as is expected. 
um, to get on page with Josh Allen. But as it went on, he got much, much better, produced more solid weeks in the middle, had two MVP weeks in the second half of the season um, compared to one in the first half of the season. And he put up big numbers. And more importantly, he put up a, a championship winning performance in week 16, which is when one of those MVP weeks occurred. Yeah, I made a, I made a big push for, push for him championship week. I was trying to buy him everywhere because he was going to be the guy who's going to win me the chips. But yeah, I I like Stefan Diggs going into next year mainly because of the way he reacted after the championship game defeat, where he stood on the field and watched the celebrations as the Chiefs. You know, it takes it takes a lot to go and do that after you've lost in what is possibly the biggest game of his career uh, to date. So to stand there and watch the Chiefs get the trophy means. Stefan Diggs is angry, and if Josh Allen can keep up or maintain a little bit of that form, and I think Stefan Diggs is going to have a better year, but by how much, I don't know. Number four, Calvin Ridley, 236.5 points through 15 games, averaged 15.8 a game, was the 17th wide receiver off the board, so again, an absolute steal there. Had four MVP weeks, seven solid weeks, and then just four bust weeks. Yeah remarkably consistent first half to second half of the season were pretty much the same. Not much. This Falcons offense was not as good as it should have been in 2020. Calvin really intrigues me as a player. Listen, he's always someone who gets into the end zone, but for me, I'm not a hundred percent sold that he is a number one receiver. I mean, listen, the numbers here look phenomenal and you look at that and you think, wow, you know, um, what he did from yards and touchdowns and and everything. But for me, Calvin Ridley is better when Julio Jones is on the field. And I think he is someone who needs that premier coverage. I'm not so sure that Calvin Ridley Ridley is a quote unquote alpha. I think he did a good job. Don't get me wrong, but I can't help but feel that he needs Julio on that field to be productive. That he needs somebody who's a threat because the guy on the other side was Russell Gage and Russell Gage isn't a bad receiver, but he's not phenomenal. Um, you have question marks over who's going to be quarterback. We expect it to be Matt Ryan next year. So that new coach, new GM, um, what's Arthur Smith got cooking? Kenny Ridley. For me, this is the first player that we've, we're talking about where I'm not sure I'm, I'm not sure at this cost, if he's going off the board, I think he's better than ADP 17, but he's not someone I'm reaching for in the second round to get. He's not a must-own wide receiver for me, which I think you could argue with the first three that we've talked about and potentially the next three that we're going to talk about. Yeah, I think but... he's in that sandwich of someone that goes, if he fell to me at the right price, I would I'd very happily push the button, but I don't think he's a must-own on my team which I, you know, I think is different to, like I said, the three guys before him and the three guys we're going to talk about next. I, you're right. Calvin Ridley is very chalk and cheese for me. I don't tend to own him in many places because of the fact I just think Julio is still the dog on that team. And But then I appreciate what Ridley does. It's such a weird... I don't know why my, not my aversion, but I don't really ever own him anywhere because I either get sniped picking him a bit later than I would, or I'm just a bit wary of his production, but I should, maybe I shouldn't be as much as I, I don't know. 
But I had quite a bit of Calvin Ridley last year and was quite happy to own him. Um, but I was getting him. I was getting him in the fifth round. That I was getting in that fifth round. Um, if I missed out on Allen, I got Ridley, and if I missed out on Ridley, I got Allen. Um, and this guy's panned out very, very nicely. Um, and I think you know, in the fourth round, I'd have no hesitation. At the third round, I think it would depend who's off the. Uh, but second round, absolutely not. And I, he's someone who, in that range, I know I'm not desperate to own. Um, I'm just going to pull up draft data uh, that I've been looking at and see where he's going off. Um, this is terrible audio. <laughs> it's not great video, I imagine, either. Good little dance. No. I, I'm not. So, yeah, he's going. he's going sort of top of the third in this mock draft data right now, which I'm looking at the players that you can get after him. These are some of the names you can get after him right now. Mike Evans, Michael Thomas, AJ Brown. I mean, Keenan Allen, Justin Jefferson are all going after him. I'd have all five of those guys before I bought Calvin Ridley. And that's not really a big um, snatch at, at Calvin Ridley. I just, I think he needs an alpha receiver who's going to be fit to, to really unlock what he can do. And he is a bit of a touchdown or bust dependent player. Yeah, no, 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 I agree. I mean, at five, we've got New Hopkins. He weighs in with 230 points, so only six less than Ridley. Played all 16, averaged 14.4, was the fifth wide receiver. So he was bang on, finished bang on where he was drafted to be. Had four MVP weeks, five solid weeks, and then eight bust weeks. But he started really, really hot. Um, Well, he didn't. He didn't start that hot. Um. He kind of had one good game, then he busted um, a couple of times. Uh, the problem with him, it, first of all, again, he is arguably, for me, the best receiver in the game. From a ability and traits perspective, I think, um, I think he's arguably the best receiver in the game. And I think what he gives you and what he's able to do, I think is phenomenal. And I think the fact that he finished in the top five, considering that he... Um, move to a new team which we talked about is nothing short of remarkable and you know for the last four years he has been a top four wide receiver so this is the lowest he's been in in four years I mean that's not bad going um (laughs) at all for a player who and you know he changed teams he is someone who has consistently delivered I would expect him to go up from here I would have no problem taking him as the wide receiver three overall next year behind Adams and Hill. They have no problem at all. I know these numbers don't look overly optimistic. I think you do bake in that first year. It does take a bit of time to get that chemistry going. He did bust uh, a lot and that's understandable. There was no preseason. There was no um, off season. He didn't get time to work with Kyler Murray. He got traded and then they got, they got to work. So I expect them to be better and expect them to be better when they've got another receiver. And I fully expect them either to get one in the draft or to sign one. Probably in the draft, I'd expect them to go and get a top weapon to play alongside Hopkins because Christian Kirk isn't getting it done. So I think Hopkins would be better than this next year. I completely agree. Um, we get to number six, who is the first rookie, Justin Jefferson, pretty much scored exactly the same as Justin Jefferson, all bar 0.1 fantasy points. So he scored 230, again, played all 16 games. 
averaged 14.4, was the 49th wide receiver off the board. So there's your value. Had four MVP weeks, four solid weeks, and again, eight bust weeks. And we're starting to get into that territory, Murph, where the bust weeks are coming thick and fast. Yeah, I, and look, it's not, again, you're talking about a rookie. He, again, started particularly slow. He had um, six of his eight bust weeks came in the first half of the season. Um, he's learning the ropes. Again, no preseason, no offseason. Um, it took him time to get going. Um, that's normal. He had no solid week. He had no solid weeks in the first half of the season. That that that's why you're seeing what you're seeing. This second half of the season, he was unbelievable. He he really put up um, some some big big numbers. A lot of it came in the types of games, and they were in a playoff race till near the end, uh, and that massively helped them. But you know, I think Justin Jefferson has proved he's as good a wide receiver uh, as as anybody, and and you'd have no qualms taking him. You know, I, I wouldn't necessarily say I'd say you'd be on the cusp of like wide receiver uh, five to wide receiver six for me. Um, I, I just think he's someone who has that ability to be, you know, if he finishes wide receiver one this year, would you be overly shocked? I don't think so. I think he, he's got room to go up from here. Whereas others I'm thinking about, well, everything would have to fall right for them to be around about where they are again next year. Justin Jefferson, I think, well, He's going to have a whole off-season and pre-season, um, and he's already had some time in the system. I think he, he goes upwards from here. Same with DeAndre Hopkins. I think both of these guys are arrow-up players for sure. Interesting. Yeah, no, I, yeah, you're right. I just ha- I had not seen this, so I hadn't really thought about it like that. I'm moving on, we've got DK Metcalf. He scored uh, pretty much exactly the same again as Justin Jefferson. 229.8, played all 16, averaged 14.4 gate points fantasy points per game was the 23rd wide receiver off the board so again supreme value right there had three mvp weeks five solid weeks and again eight bust weeks i i am slightly worried about dk metcalf um i think he's going to be overdrafted this year um so i i looked at dk metcalf i looked at his first half of the season versus the second half of the season or the russ let russ cook versus the uh, let Russ go back to peeling potatoes. And um, and basically, when it came down to it, that six of DK Metcalf's eight bus weeks came in that second half of the season. So in the final eight games of the season, you know, he busted six times. He had one solid game and one MVP game. Yeah, and I imagine the exact same thing can be said for Tyler Lockett as well. Um, yeah, pretty much in fact exactly the same numbers for Tyler Lockett as well so we don't really we know they're going to run the ball more they've Mm -hmm. signed back Chris Carson um I'm not saying that these guys are not guys to get but I'm worried about paying the premium um and that's you you're right I mean I think especially now with Tyler Lockett getting his new contract extension people are going to be super excited about that and I mean, as yeah. for Tyler Lockett, that's obviously a superb move, but it's more of a football move than it is a fantasy football move. Well, so, but their ADPs are quite a fair bit apart. So right now, DK Metcalf is going in the late second round, which is too high for me. I'm not. I'm not invested in a redraft league. In a dynasty league, different story. Tyler Lockett is going. In the sixth round. Oh well, then you you you, you take my money and run. That's <laughs> what I mean. Like it, it, the price between the two of them is absolutely nuts, 
And I expect Tyler Lockett's price to rise, and I expect DK Metcalf's to fall slightly. But I think this is definitely an instance where you buy the cheaper one. Because oh. I don't think the drop-off is that much. I don't well, think the drop-off is that much to, to, to either of them. No. I mean, when you can, I, th- I imagine Tyler Lockett's ADP has been... I think he's been abused ADP for every single season he's played football, I would imagine. I would imagine yeah. he's finished, regard, not regardless, disregarding injury. I imagine he's finished ahead of his ADP every single season he's played, or at least the last few in recent memory, because of how many big bust... Um, when he has a decent MVP game, Tyler Lockett can win you a week. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, we, we, we sit here on the data here, right? So, you know, you, you've got it up on the screen here. Tyler Lockett's nine, so we might as well deal with the two of them at the same time. Um, their, their difference in average points per game is 0.9 points per game. And what is bringing it down is when Tyler Lockett is busting, he is badly. I mean, like, he had games that he got. He had one game he had 0.1 points. I mean, he, I mean, he's literally as bad as he gets. Um and and mm. that brings his well, I mean, yeah, okay, zero or <laughs> negative, but it's still pretty bad. My my point is that Tyler Lockett busts at a top twelve, and that is a concern. But having said that, as you say, when he has a my point is that there's not four rounds worth of ADP difference in these two. It's like three and a half, really, when you bake in the extra. Um but there's not that much difference between them. So I don't know why you would invest in DK Metcalf when you can buy Tyler Lockett two rounds, three rounds cheaper. And okay, you're giving up half uh, 0.9 of a point per game. It's not a lot. It's just yeah. not a lot. It's just not enough to, you know, you can go and get someone better there. I, I You know, DK Metcalf in Dynasty, I get it. He's young. He can only get better. In redraft... No, give me give me the cheaper option. I'll take Tyler Lockett in the fifth, sixth round all day long and, and wouldn't hesitate to pull the trigger there. So we sandwiched in between those guys at eight. We mentioned him earlier, Adam Thielen, 217 fantasy points, 15 games played, averaged 14.5 fantasy points a week, was the 12th wide receiver off the board. He had four MVP weeks, three solid weeks, and then eight bust weeks. Yeah, I mean, it's when Justin Jefferson wasn't a thing. Um, and that's to be expected when Justin Jefferson was more thing, uh, his MVP weeks turned into um, solid weeks. And then he busts at the same rate as everybody else. I think he's a little touchdown dependent, but as a touchdown, his ADP, his ADP right now is fourth round. Um, I, I'm investing at that price. I'm quite happy to to do that. I think he's someone who is going to be, as I've said already, on the fringes of that wide receiver one, wide receiver two conversation. And to get a player like that in the fourth round, yes, please. I think he's, um, I do think he's going to get a bit of regression potentially in the touchdown column, but I would expect him to get a bit more progression in some of the reception numbers uh, this year. Yeah, I'm just thinking about, you can get Adam Thielen in the fourth and Tyler Lockett in the sixth. And I'm thinking, I know it's not sexy, but I would not hate having those two at a pinch if I got, absolute stud running backs or Travis Kelsey and another running back in the third. I mean, if I could start those two as my wide receivers, I wouldn't be hugely disappointed. No, you, you certainly wouldn't at all, would you? You'd be very happy. And again, Adam, Adam Phelan is a player who consistently has been finishing in the top um, in the top 12 of, of fantasy rankings for wide receivers. Um, he has done it time and time and time again. You know, he was 10th in 2017. Um, he was 6th in 2018. Um, 
you know, 2019, he had a, an injury, so he finished way down in 62nd. But it's a guy who knows how to get there, and he's someone who um, is highly impressive. Yeah, and he's also a guy who knows how to hit the end zone. I mean, there should be regression coming because he did have a fair few, but you go back two years ago, and I think he scored a touchdown, what, in the first 10 weeks, nine weeks, something like that? He scored. Yeah. So he definitely knows his way into the end zone. We'll move on to 10, fire the Cannons Murphys. First Buccaneer, it's Mike Evans. He scored 213 points, played 16 games, averaged 13.4, was the ninth wide receiver off the board, so finished pretty much where he was drafted. Only had two MVP weeks, but had a solid eight games in the solid category and then six, only six bust weeks. Yeah, so the, the thing that's interesting here is no wide receiver had more solid weeks of any wide receiver than Mike Evans. Um, and, you know, Mike Evans is a massively underappreciated asset. And I'm trying to not do this as a Buccaneers fan, but just purely <laughs> from the analytics, okay? So let's start off with the things that people know, that Mike Evans has been in the league for seven seasons. All seven seasons, he's had 1,000 yards receiving. That is an NFL record. Mike Evans is consistently, his ADP always kind of that 9 to 12 range. He's had four of the last five seasons he's been a top 12 fantasy wide receiver. So he's been highly productive. Mm-hmm. I, don't think, I don't think he is the player that gets you to number one. I don't think he's ever going to be a wide receiver one. Because he's got someone like um, Chris Godwin on the other side. He might have Antonio Brown there. You know, He's going to have weeks where he doesn't perform. But he is the big red red zone threat in that Buccaneers offense. He's going to score touchdowns. You can book Mike Evans, if healthy, for at least 10 touchdowns next year. And you wouldn't have a big argument about it. Like He, he has, for me, arguably one of the safest floors. And you're talking about he was ninth in 2020. He was eighth in 2019. He was 10th uh, in 20... Sorry, he was eighth in 2019. He was 10th in 2018. He um, just was outside the top 12 in 2017 and third in 2016. Mike Evans has done this with different coordinators. He's done it with different coaches. He's done it with three different quarterbacks. Like, it doesn't matter who is slinging the rock. It doesn't matter who is coaching or who is scheming. The guy ends up as a wide receiver one if he plays games. (laughs) So, for me, a massively underrated threat. He's not sexy because he's never going to be a, he's never going to be the overall wide receiver one. He's just not. But he is outside of Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams and DeAndre Hopkins. He's that fourth guy that I could, you know, if I was a gambling man, which I'm not, I'd feel pretty confident saying that he would be a wide receiver one at the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, his previous history points to just that. You're right. So I think as a floor play, Mike Evans is an absolute odds-on safe gamble every single season. Moving on to number 11, AJ Brown. He's not, I'm not sure on him this year just because of what he's endured in the off-season and and with Corey Davis moving and stuff. And he scored 212 points last year through 14 games, did average 15.2, which is significantly higher than those above him up until uh, the fourth wide receiver. He was the 15th wide receiver off the board, so you got a little bit of value there. He only had two MVP weeks, but he had seven solid weeks, which is up there with the best of them, and then five bust weeks. Yeah, I mean, AJ Brown has some differences. You mentioned Corey Davis has gone. Arthur Smith, his offensive coordinator, has gone. He has yet another offensive coordinator to deal with. Um, I think at the end of the day, AJ Brown is, is fine. I think he's a good player. I think he's talent-wise 
uh, well worthy of that top 12 um, spot. There is a little bit of spottiness and inconsistency there in terms of coaching and, and everything, but I think he's got a good rapport with his quarterback. Um, as you say, only 14 games. If he plays the full 16, his average takes him to five. Wide receiver five. Yeah. If he maintains that average. So, again, that's quite critical. Um, he's only down because he missed time and the guys above him didn't. So, I again, I, I feel pretty good at where you can get A.J. Brown in, in drafts now. You're getting him mid-third. He's in that Michael Thomas, Mike Evans... AJ Brown, uh, uh, Calvin Ridley era. Like, that's the range. I'd have no problem taking Brown over Ridley. Um, I think, you know, Thomas Evans, Brown, you can kind of chop that anywhere you want to go. The risk tolerance with Michael Thomas is on who's throwing him the ball, but no doubt he's got the, 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 the ability. Mike Evans is the floor play. AJ Brown is your upside play. Yeah, I suppose at that point in the draft, it's almost what you've done before you as to how you want to build your roster. So, you're right, they're all interchangeable as to, to who you pick at that point, depending on if you want to go safe or not. And then finally, the last wide receiver one is Alan Robinson. He scored 211 points, uh, played all 16, averaged 13.2, was the eighth wide receiver off the board, so dropped on his ADP value a little bit. Only had three MVP weeks, had four solid weeks, but had nine bust weeks. Yeah, but his is all about who threw in the ball. I think the fact that Alan Robinson was a wide receiver one when you have Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles throwing the ball, is probably one of the greatest career threats you'll ever see in <laughs> fantasy football. Do we think that that gets any better though, with the Red Rifle now throwing in the football? Yeah, I think Andy. I think I think Andy Dalton is more competent. I mean, you look at how many years Andy Dalton made AJ Green fantasy relevant. Mm. Quarterbacks get better with age; they don't get worse until they get to like forty, which Andy Dalton is not. Um, I'm not saying Andy Dalton is an elite guy, <laughs> but I think we can safely say he's better than Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles, right? I, no. I think that's, I, I think he is. Um, I'm fully aboard that train too. Yeah. I mean, look, it's the quarterback play that's going to cap his upside, but I think, you know, Adam Robinson is, is a pretty safe pick. Um, he is going funny enough, Adam Robinson in the fourth round. So his range, he is going with, this is the, these are the, the wide receivers he's around. Adam Phelan, Kenny Golladay, Terry McLaurin, Alan Robinson, DJ Moore, Julio Jones. I mean, that's a great cluster of wide receivers to be with. Um, I think outside of McLaurin, Robinson is probably the guy I'd want to own out of all them because of the floor play. Yeah. CD Lamb's the other one that's in that range as well. Anamari Cooper. Yeah. I, I, I love the way that this is looking for ADP right now. If you, you're wanting some of that fourth, fifth round wide receiver action, it's... It's tasty. tasty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, in the fifth round, in the fifth round, you've got right now Juju Smith-Schuster, Robert Woods, Deontay Johnson. I mean, the, for fifth round guys, they're phenomenal. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's great. It's like great what you can get there. Um, but I think Alan Robinson is is very similar to Mike Evans for me. Safe floor, knows how to get it done. It's probably not going to be a wide receiver one, more due to who's throwing him the ball than anything. But if he's on the field. Um, you you can lock him in for a low-end wide receiver one performance this year. And I yeah. don't think you have any any people that would really doubt you. You know, he was 10th last year. Um, he, he Like I said, he just gets it done. That So that's the wide receiver one's covered off, Murph. 
we've uh, we're, we're rapidly approaching the 60 minute mark have you got any sort of thoughts on the next 12 guys and if there's sort of the thirst from rush nation about another show regarding these next 12 guys we could possibly do that going down the line or or do you want to try and run through all 12 of these now or i, or can, ha- I, mean, I can give you some snaps of, of each i think that would be better because i think there's some interesting nuggets but i think you know we're going to get most of the most of the same here um start with with robert woods you know instant um qb upgrade that's going to help massively um i still think his touchdown number for his targets is a little low um and i think you'll see some some uh, positive regression yet again it's what i said last year i still think there's a little bit more to be baked in there so i think robert woods is is a good buy and he's still got a fifth round adp i think that's too good uh for where he is um because he's a he's always been a fringe or just in the wide receiver one conversation keenan allen doesn't need any explanation um you know, he, he is as, as good a wide receiver as there is, if, if healthy. He was an absolute steal last year going at wide receiver 20. Um, and, you know, once he was partnered with Justin Herbert, he was he was electric and we really saw the best of it. And what is bringing Keenan Allen's score down is the couple of games he had to play with Tyrell Taylor. Um, <laughs> if you think he had Justin Herbert there for those games with the exception and, and not Tyrell Taylor, um, he would have, have done better. Um, and he would have been a wide receiver one, and that's all you've got to know. Mm-hmm. Bradley Cooks, I mean, we don't really know what's going on with the Deshaun Watson situation. I'm not really going to comment on it. Um, so it, with Cooks, it's almost impossible insight to share there. Um, other than if he is the one and Deshaun Watson plays, which is probably unlikely, um, he could, could be he could be good value. But again, he's going to have maybe Tyrod Taylor throwing him the ball. So no thanks. Now you got this cluster. I'm going to take Cooper. Uh, I'm going to take Cooper and uh, City Lamb together. Um, for me, like these guys still ended up as uh, wide receiver twos, and they had Dalton throwing the ball as you sort of mentioned. But there was more targets to go around there. That that isn't the case in Chicago. Um, but Andy Dalton did sustain two wide receiver twos. Um, for me, Cooper, I think, is overpriced and CD Lamb is underpriced. Um, and they're pretty much back-to-back. Um, I think Lamb, when partnered with Dak, as we saw in the early parts of the season, um, his one M- MVP or one of his MVP weeks came with Dak, um, I think is more important. I think Lamb has the upside and I think he's got more ability than Cooper. And I think he's going to be on the team longer. So um, I think Cooper arrowed down for me. I think Lamb is Cooper up, but I'd be quite happy owning both. Uh, Marvin Jones is on a different team now. He's in Jacksonville. Uh, I'm a bit concerned. I don't think it's like, oh, it's amazing. He's gone to play with Trevor Lawrence. I don't know how much work he's going to get out of Trevor Lawrence. They've got DJ Chark. They'll probably draft a receiver. It's a pretty crowded room. You don't really know what's going to happen. Plus you've got the rookie there. If he comes in at a good price, like he's he's wide receiver thirty six here. If he's knocking on that to sort of door again, I'd I'd happily invest. But um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Then you have got the Pittsburgh three: Juju Smith Schuster in eighteenth, Chase Claypool in nineteenth, Deontay Johnson in twenty uh, third. These guys were split by uh, eight points, not even seven point eight points between the three of them. Uh, the way I would uh, buy these players is Deontay Johnson. I'd buy first. Um, he's actually the cheapest, I think. Um, Deontay Johnson is going at the back end of the fifth. Uh, 
Juju Smith-Schuster's going before him. Actually, I think Claypool is the cheapest of the three. Um, Johnson Johnson's the one that's going to get the most targets. He's going to get the most work of the three, I think, based on what we saw last year. Um, and also, he was the only one that missed a game. So although he um, missed uh, a game, he was only 7.8 points out, he would have been above both of those based on his average per game. I think there's room for Claypool to shine. I think Juju is the fade of the three. He's not the one I would want. Um, but it's interesting that they have three wide receiver twos. Yeah. <laughs> they can kind of cannibalize their own targets there, but mm. interesting. Um, but again, all solid plays. Uh, you can feel good about drafting any one of them if you get them at a good price. Um, Terry McLaurin, I think under Fitzmagic, um, I think he's going to be terrific. And I think he's a huge hour up guy. It wouldn't shock me to be a wide receiver one uh, next year based on what he is. His ADP has got him in that fourth round. I think he's a huge upside guy. Um, some guys that are going before him that I would take McLaurin over Chris Godwin. Um, he And then you get like Keenan Allen. That's an interesting one. I'd probably, either or, I think it's pretty good. Justin Jefferson is going to be pretty close. I'd have McLaurin over Golladay. I'd have McCollum, uh, McLaurin over Thielen. Um, yeah, I think I think McLaurin is, is a very, very good player. I think his price is going to rise to a high third maybe mm. even a second round pick. I think that law of picking of playing with Fitz magic, um, I think it's going to draw a lot of people in. So I think he, his upside goes through the roof. DJ Moore. I mean, he did well considering he had Teddy Bridgewater throwing him the rock. Ouch. We do expect uh, a better QB there, but who is that QB? If it's a rookie, could be anything. Um, so who knows? And then Robbie Anderson's there as well. So Teddy did support two wide receiver twos in there. Um, Anderson, uh, actually had the least amount of touchdowns per touch uh, in the NFL last season um, and is due a massive uh, <laughs> positive regression in that touchdown column. So I think Anderson was someone throwing in the ball. We can throw the ball uh, at an average depth of target above seven uh, will benefit massively. And I think DJ Moore as well now that Curtis Samuel has gone. I think both these guys will at least solidify their places in the top 24 wide receivers, but if not, they could arrow up slightly. Yeah, I think that was a, a very good breakdown of the wide receiver twos there. I mean, there's there's some names, obviously, that it's going to shift around and stuff. And like you said, there's a few people here that could rapidly rise up, and there's some players here like Brandon Cooks who could vaporize, given what we just don't know. So I think it's going to be a very interesting... Well, once the drafts happen, we'll have a, we'll have a bit more knowledge and stuff. But there's there's still a lot of stuff we don't know yet, which is exciting. Yeah, listen, we still got rookies to come in, and this is a very good rookie class. You know, Jamar Chase could break into the top twenty-four depending on landing spot. Um, you know, Not if he goes to the Bengals. <laughs> well, I mean, anything could happen. Um, you know, I, I would say right now there's a few very interesting things going on. If if they don't take a Jamar Chase or anyone like that, I really like T. Higgins to jump up into the top 24 conversation. I think he's a huge uh, by-low player based on what he did with Joe Burrow in the early parts of the season. Yep. Um, don't forget, you know, he, Ryan Finley was throwing him the ball in the second half of the season. So, you know, what's he supposed to do? Um, I think he's a huge arrow-up guy if they don't take a wide receiver early. I think... Um, you know, you've got some of these other young uh, wide receivers coming in. You know, Rondell Moore could potentially be interesting. You know, Devonta Smith. Um, there's a load of guys here. Um, this top 24 class, I mean, I, the wide receivers get better every year. Um, what's coming in, 
it's going to be really tough to be a top 24 wide receiver in this league next season. Um, I do think that there's some guys who we ran through that are arrow downs. I think Cooks, I think Cooper potentially depends what happens with Dak. Um, you know, you mean, I think you, Juju Smith-Schuster, yep. I think they're the three I look at now and think I don't feel confident. Uh, maybe Robbie Anderson wouldn't shock me if he fell out, but I don't think he falls that far, but he could fall out of the conversation because he's on the edge. You know, um, yeah, I think there's a, there's a few guys here that could that could easily be replaced. You know, we haven't even talked about guys like Michael Thomas and, and Tulio Jones who, who could potentially come back into top 24th. I think wide receiver is as good as it's ever been in the NFL. Um, it's good for fantasy players. It's good for fans. It's good for everyone. Um, I think what you want to be doing here is starting to see where the tier gaps are because, you know, we're grouping guys together and you can see they can be very, very similar. And you're seeing it on the screen with these stats, you know, averages 12.5, 12.8, 11.9, 11.9, 11.6, 11.5. These are very, very fine margins. And that's because it's quite a big tier of, of guys, it's, uh, you know, 16 to 24 on this list is, is, is a very wide tier that's separated by one point per game on average. It's not a lot. Yep. It's a really small mar- margin and that's okay. You know, if you're missing, you know, if you, if you ended up with Brandon Cooks over Amari Cooper last year, you, you didn't pay for it. Um, that's absolutely fine. It, the, the thing is, is always making sure that you don't get a player that's outside of this range. So it's going to be a little bit tricky, but you really want to find high floor guys at the right price. So I think for me, having a, a Robinson or an Evans who aren't going to be your MVP guys, but they're going to be quite solid. And then mixing in with trying to get a guy who could reach the ceiling could be massive. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we saw with the running backs, they tail off very quickly wide receivers deep, which is why I think you've still got to hold that strategy of getting an elite running back as early as you can and then solidify with wide receiver. Yeah, I like it. I like the it. the first two rounds and still be very, very happy. Yeah, I think currently at the moment there's some serious value to be had in the sort of fifth to seventh round here. And I think that's it's definitely going to be explored coming up to draft season with people getting excited and doing mock drafts and actual fantasy drafts and redrafts early. And there's a whole lot going to be going on. So this information is pretty exciting and it's going to be in the book, Murph. So it is, it's all going to be there. It's all broken down in there. So um, with some further explanation and mixed in with some other things that we're doing as well. Yeah. Happy days. Happy days. Well, big man, that's the end of the wide receiver consistency. That is going to wrap up today's show. Have I missed anything? No, that's everything. It's uh, I enjoy doing these. Um, we can put 2020 in the books now. Um, people should go back and listen to these shows, perhaps nearer the season when they're thinking about drafts and go through these numbers. Absolutely. Well, mate, this has been a blast as always. Enjoy your show with Rich. I'll enjoy editing it and then listening to it. Rush Nation, don't forget, we're going to be in your ears. Well, if this is if you're listening on Tuesday, go back and listen to Monday. Listen to Tuesday, listen to Wednesday with Murph and Rich. Listen to Thursday with me and Ash. And uh, that's four of the five. And then have a Friday off, maybe. I don't know. But hey, listen, there's a lot of football to come. Draft season is right around the corner. And, uh, and as always, don't forget, keep rushing.
HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive, who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 